Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Yes, you are. <laughs> hey, Chip, you think you fuck with me? We had a we had a guest co-host yesterday because you couldn't make it. We had Chris Covert back on. <laughs> he, before I even got to open my mouth, launched into, I'm Chris Covert. Welcome to my show, I Love Rock and Roll. And uh, was like with me as some dude. And then halfway through the interview, he was wearing a button down and he took it off. And he's got our logo on his shirt. It says, no. it said, I love rock and roll with Chris Covert. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I don't think I could ever be that uh, quite that that scene stealing guys. That's great. That is that is crafty. I love it. I love so it. it was hard to get mad at. Not yeah. at all. How are you, Kenneth? I'm doing all right. How are you, Chip? I'm doing uh, better than all right. I, I think we've had a lot of great episodes recently. I appreciate all the listeners. Now, the new listeners, people listening in, we've had some great guests over the past. I mean, just to mention David Bryan and Richard Marks and, and Stephen Perkins, and he just, just the list goes on. Uh, I think we've had some great topics. This, you and I have been talking about this for a while. This episode, I think, is exactly why we started this podcast. Yeah, is what what people are about to hear. Yeah, this is this was I, this is how we started the podcast, and then we we maybe got a little away from it, right? Uh, because we we've been like you said, we've been fortunate enough to get some really incredible guests. I think it, if I think about like my top few favorite episodes that we've done, I think the two things that are in common with them are one I've never heard of the topic before the, the artist or the group I've never heard of. And two, my first response to seeing it is wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't real. That's not a real, this, I obviously Ken's pulling my leg and then I find out that it's an actual real thing. And that's what we're going to get into today. Yes. Why don't you introduce our guest? How about you do it? I go, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, with us today is a friend of the show. Uh, he's actually responsible for finding us this topic. So yes. Chip, you and I have said off air many times that our favorite story that we've covered so far is mm -hmm. the Joe Bryant episode. And again, yes, it's like far. you said, it was just how obscure and how wild the story was and how we mm -hmm. couldn't believe we'd never heard of it. Yes. And then um, we were lucky enough to become friends with the director of the documentary, Joe Bryant mm -hmm. AD. So yep. welcome back to the show, our good friend, Kieran Turner. Hey, guys, I'm so happy to be here. This is going to this is <laughs> <laughs> I, I always said, you know, if you find anything that that you think I would uh, be good for, please let me know. Um, but I certainly never meant to uh, to actually like try and make work for you and, and, and bring myself into the picture. But I'm glad it worked out the way that it did, because I think we're all super excited about this one. I'm, gl I'm glad you did it. Uh, and I appreciate the effort that you brought us this group. And, uh, you know, you are, he said, friend of the show. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Uh, like they say, you're the third Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> you're the third Hall and Oates. Yes, I'll take it. I'll All take oats it. and oats second. It's uh, I I so thank you so much for bringing us this topic uh, that we're going to do today because I think we're gonna. I've already had a lot of fun researching it, and uh, that and yeah. Let's. I don't want to. I don't want dilly dally. Ken, should we should we jump in head first? Yeah, let's do it, Karen. Since you were since you're the one who dug this up, why don't you tell the people who who we're talking about today? 
Okay, well, today's episode uh, is about the strangest band I think that no one has ever heard of, including the three of us. I was telling Chip that the way that I heard about it or found it was I was doing some work and I was on my laptop and I felt like listening to some music. So I put on YouTube and actually put on a Joe Bryath track. And on the right side were a bunch of little thumbnails. And I one of them caught my eye and it was some guy in scary mind makeup. And I thought it was Leo Sayer. I thought, <laughs> what is Leo Sayer doing? Uh, well, you know, what is this? Because I knew he had done some kooky shit before. So I clicked on it. No, it was a band called The Hello People. And the album cover I was looking at was their fourth album, The Handsome Devils. So The Hello People, as I swiftly went on to uh, Google to check out, were a band that falls under the auspices of mime rock. Could you, Kieran, I, I need you to stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> I just need you to stop. And I need you to repeat those two words for the listeners one more time. So they, so they drink it in. So they know what we're saying. What are those two words that you just said? Mime rock. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, uh, my reaction was exactly the same. What in the hell is mime rock? Um, I'm still not sure I have uh, the definitive answer because everything you think mime rock would be, um, these guys flew in the face of it. Um, (laughs) I think at the end of the day, I think mime rock is just a state of mind. I <laughs> yes, it, it it really is. It's um, I I don't. It's uh, it's it's like that one I believe Supreme Court justice said one time about mime rock. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> It's a little misleading too because that album cover that you that you are referring to does look like it could be some kind of very cool kind of edgy uh type like it almost reminded me of um like like the like the funkadelic maggot brain album cover yeah. a little bit or something like there was almost something mc5 about it to me mm-hmm. um but then when i was reading kieran's description of mime rock <laughs> It's like yeah. it, it's it, what that album looks like is like if I'm going to date myself here, but it's like it looks like almost like a heavy metal band. Like, yes. you, like you said, Ken, like not quite Kiss, but like this like artsy, gothy 70s heavy metal band that would like that would be uh, shown as the antagonist in an episode of Chips. Yeah. Like that's what uh, like yeah. this dark satanic uh, uh, awful band that all flute in it and they, they wear face makeup uh, and they're just, they're very uh, edgy and scary. And that's oh, what, I, that's what it gave off. But that's not, yeah. that's, I, th- I think that's a misrepresentation. That album covers a misrepresentation of who they are. Absolutely. I, I started to think about, okay, uh, well, let, let me, let's preface it with this. The first Hello People album came out in 1968. 
and it was simply called uh, the Hello People. And they went on to release um, six albums and then something where they did a weird demonstration for TIAC tapes that I have no idea what it is. But Mm -hmm. so over the next 11 years, they put out um, six full length albums. Um, But their first album was in 1968. And I started to think, okay, who else wore makeup, Um, you know, as a thing? And of course, there was Kiss. Mm -hmm. uh, There were the New York Dolls. um, There was even Joe Bryaf, although it was a different kind of makeup. Um, Hall & Oates did an album cover, the one with Sarah Smile, where they were all glammed up in, in makeup. Um, then you've also got who I kind of feel like are almost direct or indirect descendants of the Hello People, uh, the leading players and his satanic, uh, chicks from, uh, Pippin. Mm-hmm. You ever, have you ever seen the, the, the commercial for Pippin with Ben Vereen, um, and, and the two women that he dances with, they've got the same kind of, they're called the Manson trio, mm-hmm. uh, and then, of course, my favorites, um, the Sid and Marty Croft uh, Saturday morning band Captain Cool and the Kongs, uh, starring Michael Lundbeck. Um, and you'll find that actually Captain Cool and the Kongs have a lot in common with the Hello People in that they each had kicky kooky uh, band member names, which, uh, which we will definitely get yes. into. One of my favorite things about this group. Yes. The the amazing thing is that the Hello People predate them all and they sound nothing like any of them. No. And they're they're out of New York City, which I was very surprised to, yeah. to learn. It's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, when you think that Captain Cool and the Kongs may rock harder than the Hello People, <laughs> that'll give you a little bit of a description of what they sound like. But so I, I, how would you I, I'm trying to think of and, and obviously the listener, you should go on to Google's and figure that out and look them up. There's not uh, a lot there. There's, there's there's not a lot. No. And but like just to put it in a nutshell, it's a few like folk. It's like a folk rock ish early 70s folk rock turning into soft rock group that perform just like a soft rock group. Uh, but they are dressed like mines. And there yeah. is also some mimery going on between the songs when they right. play live. Right. Like they'll start up. It's almost like it's like the, it's like they're their own opening act. You know, yes. they come on and they, they they do a little walking against the wind and, you know, Mitsu kind of stuff. And then boom, right into the song. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and, and no, dude, they don't have to pay an opening act. It's brilliant. No, it's like, you no know, when stage. you're at, you're, you're paying good money to see a band and the lead singer just does a lot of banter between acts, you know, between songs like Bono is up yeah. there talking about Sarajevo or whatever. You're like, all right, Bono, come on. It's like, I, I feel like if I, I, if I were at a hello people concert, I'd be like, please give me some banter, say something, do something. Yeah. yeah like hello, Boston. Give me that. Right. Give me Just, yeah. just let me cheer for the name of my town. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I yeah. mean, they might've just like waved and then, you know, choked each other out and that, you know, <laughs> hello, Boston. That's Boston. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there is some music out there and I went, 
the further step, because I am crazy obsessive, of going onto eBay and ordering um, two of the albums that I could not find in full on YouTube. Oh, wow. Um, there's the TIAC one I, I couldn't find, but I didn't bother with it because there wasn't the only music track on it was on another album. So I, I didn't bother with it. But their final album, which we'll definitely get into, um, is the only one that they seem to have erased every trace of. Couldn't okay. get it used, couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and I have a very interesting review of it that uh, once we get into the chronology of the hello people, which I do believe we should, mm -hmm. uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll reference that. Um, but uh, in listening to everything and I listen to it in order, um, I just, I don't think you can nail down a sound for them. Um, you know, it, it, even the flute disappears mid career. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I just have a feeling that, you know, um, they and Firefall met backstage at Madison Square Garden <laughs> one day in 1975 and, and had a huge duke out and Firefall won. And that's where the flute went. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they, they have no more. They have no more flute or Nicolette Larson seduced it away from them or something. <laughs> can, um, can you imagine me? Can you imagine what? being like we should continue with the mime, but drop the flute thing? Like the flute, oh. the flute's the thing that's got to go. That's the kicker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure Nicolette said, "Look, motherfuckers, you can just mime a flute. I don't have that <laughs> talent, so I need to use it." Um, but yeah, it's it's so like the first album. I, I'm listening to it and I'm going. Oh, I totally get why it wasn't a hit. You know, it was sort of a, it's a little Hollies. It's a little electric prunes. Um, it's a little calliope rock, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. like if you were going to, you know, record your album while while sitting on a on a, you know, crystal merry-go-round. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't mean that to sound, you know, uh, dismissive um, because they I don't know, you know, I, I, if you know what you all thought of of the music that you listen to but they're not untalented for sure. No. Oh, I enjoyed everything I heard. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, I, and I think it's just a product, obviously a product of its time. And again, I'm not making fun of this and we're, and we're sort of our job here to do this as comedians, but what a time to be alive in the late sixties and early seventies when you could be so sincere about something and be like, this'll be fine. I'll go on the tonight show and do this. This will be great. And nobody says a word about it. And they're yeah. like, oh, no, it's it's mimes that play soft rock music or folk rock music. We're, we're into it. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I just want it, to point out real quick, by the way, 11 years and six albums. That's they lasted longer than the Beatles. Like they, yes, they, they did. Yeah, <laughs> they they took what should have been like maybe a, a, a novelty record yeah. and, and turned it into, I mean, 11 years for a rock band. That's, that's on the, that's on the much higher end of, uh, yeah. A, yeah. A, of a rock band's I, I, lifespan. And I think that's how they got the nickname, the hardest working mimes in show business. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my God. I mean, I think, I think we have a new category. I think it's, it's, it's not, I think it's going to morph from, um, the, uh, the bands you've never heard of to the bands you refused to ever hear of. I mean, 11 <laughs> years and then no one took notice. Uh, 11 years, six albums, uh, you know, yeah. how does that happen? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the good good thing for mimes, they're used to never being heard, which is which is good. <laughs> I think that they're fine with that. They're like, okay, we get it. We're yeah, we're, in, think, we're in it. For I the- think their highest charting album was like 145 on the Billboard charts, and like mm-hmm. for most rock bands, you'd be like, oh shit, we got to pack it in. And they were like, we're making some noise here. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking to myself when I was listening to the first album, I was thinking. Jesus, how did they ever get a chance to record a second album? And then I thought, uh, Joe Bryant did. So what the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? <laughs> it is true. So I, that's just what they did back then. You know, they they recorded an album every six months, you know, and uh, and just kept pushing it out into the marketplace, hoping that something would take. And then... Um, you know, at some point it, it, the, the gravy train ended, but boy, this gravy train, uh, that, uh, hello people were on was, was, uh, was, was pretty fortified. Um, we should also mention that, um, they were Todd Rundgren's backing band on and off for quite a while. They weren't yeah. utopia, mm-hmm. but they, they toured with and played with Todd, um, for several years. And, you can find, uh, and I sat and watched it. Um, well, they, there's a midnight special appearance with Todd where they're where they're backing him, but there's also an hour long concert of Todd's where the Hello People are both backing him and uh, doing their mime act. Yeah, I did see that. Oh, they were. I didn't see that. Wait, yeah. so they were still miming it up for Rundgren? Yes. Yeah. I didn't real. Oh, wow. Okay. Because that was, that was the thing that really set me from, I think one side of the fence to the other. I was like, okay, okay. Ha ha ha. Mime rock. They're doing this thing. This is silly. It's the sixties. We'll let them have it. Woodstock early seventies. Got it. Everybody's on acid. Fine. But then to find out that Todd Rundgren, huge music, amazing musician brings them along. Like it's, Oh, this is not a fluke. Like they are, they are the real deal. Yeah. But yeah. I did I did not realize they were still doing and, the mind and, thing with him. And when you watch them backing Todd Rundgren, um, they're they sound fantastic. Like they And it's they, rocking too. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there we're we're not taking anything away from their um their musical talent. And uh, you know, for its time, it almost makes all right. So if Todd Rundgren's going out, Todd's not dressed as a mime, but he's got a mime band behind him, and they're doing their their mime routines in between songs. Even that almost makes sense to me. Like, hey, Todd, I don't know what Todd's trying to say, but he's trying to say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's when you <laughs> it's when you've just got a group of mimes up there singing that I feel like that's when it gets. It's when it defeats yes. the purpose of being mimes. But by the by the way, I think my favorite quote out of my entire research, again, which there is not a lot out there about them, uh, was this quote that I did have to write down. It was during the time, a little bit later, when in the early to mid seventies and into the late seventies, when they were part of Rundgren's band. I did read this quote during this period. George Kiernan joined the group as an extra mime performer, holding signs for the group. 
what kind of signs? Like applause? I write yeah. <laughs> throw tomatoes? Yeah, it's, I guess it's like, I don't know if it was political things, because obviously we get, we'll get into their political stances yeah. and how that sort of put a, that, that, that sort of put them in a glass box, if you will. Um, but they, uh, they brought on an extra, it's like the dancing guy from the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Like he doesn't even play an instrument. He just is a mime and does mime stuff and holds up signs well, for it them. Probably said like, hello, Boston. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We're so happy to be here. Yeah. 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 How, how we feel in Detroit. <laughs> Could you imagine being that guy though? Like telling your kids or your like even grandkids, you're like, I was, I was in a band back in the seventies. Really grandpa. Wow. Was it wild? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of partying. What did you, what did you play? You guitar player? Nope. You play the drums? Nope. Well, you must have been a singer. Nope. Uh, dressed like a mime and held signs up. <laughs> Gather around, children. I have stories. That's hilarious. I'm I'm adopted. And when I was a little kid, I used to fantasize that, you know, particular rock stars were my were my real parents. Oh, wow. You know, I, I did everybody from, um, you know, James Taylor and Carly Simon to you know, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, which no wonder I wound up leaving the house. Um, <laughs> but my luck, I'll find out that my my biological father was the guy who warmed up the crowd for the hello people. <laughs> that's, that's what it's going. And I'll be damn proud of it. I also this is by, by the way, I have to say, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this story, Ken, there uh uh, Kieran, there's a comedian in Philadelphia called the legendary Wid. His name is the legendary Wid. He is legendary. He's been around forever. He knows everybody like has performed. Uh, he's a prop comic. Actually, speaking of science, he's he does prop comedy. He actually basically kind of mentored Carrot Top when Carrot Top was young. Like he he was Carrot Top before Carrot Top. He's one of my favorite people in the world. One of my favorite comedians. He's amazing. He's seen and done it all. One of my favorite stories about him. He was pretty young. I think it was the 70s. He, he came up through Philadelphia like I did. And James Taylor was in town. He snuck backstage somehow because I think he knew the security guards or whatever. He's side stage backstage watching James Taylor perform in Philadelphia. He turns at one point during the show, notices that Carly Simon holding their one year old baby is standing beside him. He's like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Then at one point, James Taylor calls Carly Simon on stage and she says to a complete stranger, the wind says, oh, could you hold my child while I go sing? So he's like, oh, sure. So he held James Taylor and Carly Simon's baby while they sang a duet out on stage. Uh, so is I it, mean, do, do, do you know, did he give the baby back? Maybe it is Kieran. Like maybe he just ran out. <laughs> texting him now. I'm texting him now. Let's find out. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I also think so, it's funny that yeah. like, real quick, I think it's funny that they name themselves the hello people like they name yeah. themselves after a spoken greeting. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I, I guess we should really kind of go back to the beginning uh, because I want to know who named them because they were they weren't just a couple of guys that decided, hey, let's get a band and then paint our faces. They it was a an assembled a la in sync Backstreet Boys monkeys sort of situation yeah i i th they they got put together um by a producer named lou futterman so right there let's stop stop right there the yeah. first note that i wrote the first note was that if i were to ever to write 
a Broadway style musical about like a 1960s music manager, his name would be Lou Futterman. There's no that is the most like, oh, here comes Lou Futterman. And he's like, you know, he's portly little guy chomping on a cigar. He's got a heart of gold, but, you know, he's got a rough edge to him. And his name is Lou Futterman. And it's that was my that was one of my favorite things that I read. It's perfect. I mean, he's he's the he's the peace and love version of Lou Pearlman. Yeah, he is. That's who I thought it was at first. Or if you will, the non molesting version of of, (laughs) of of Lou Pearlman. That's well, right. um, well, actually, we don't know that because even <laughs> yes, it's not even, allegedly. Even if, yeah. even if he did molest them, it's not like they'd say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear they, that his, that the original band name was Lip Sync. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. instead of in- I would um, I would have gone for uh, shut the fuck up and the be quiet, but yeah. the hello people. By the way, I, I should say this: I, I did take just a few moments. And write down some names that I thought would be better than the hello people for a mime rock group. So if you don't mind, uh, let me go through. uh, Let me go through that. Uh, These are uh, these are better names, I think, for the hello people for a mime rock group. Um, uh, Quiet Riot. (laughs) I think that would be better. Uh, Mime and Garfunkel. (laughs) Uh, uh, The No Talking Heads. (laughs) <laughs> uh th- the silent femmes <laughs> nice 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 and finally uh system of a clown <laughs> oh so there we go Those, awesome. i, I awesome. like the hello people I think they should have given me a call, though, and I think I could have given them some pointers. Copyright all of those right now. <laughs> yes. TM, Chip Chantry. You, 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 you planned your retirement, Chip. Yeah. Oh, Chip came prepared. I did. Yes. I, now my, my, my paltry puny notes feel very. Um, oh, that's the extent of what I had. So, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, right. I'm, I'm tapped out for the rest of the day. Well, since we're talking about names um, before we uh, uh, let's continue talking about how they how they formed. But let's please name the uh, the original lead singer. Yes. W.S. Sunny Tongue. <laughs> E-O-N-G-U-E, tongue. I mean, you know, the jokes write themselves, Chip. It's, it's, it's right there. It's right there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. So um, Lou Futterman uh, went and found these musicians who were taught by some famous French mime not Marcel Marceau, as if there was more than yeah. one famous French. French. Yeah. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Um, somebody named, De, uh, I'm, I'm going to screw it up. De, De Croix? De Croix? Yeah, yeah. Et, Etienne De Croix? Yeah. De Croix, I think, or yeah. something. Oh, De Croix, yeah. that might be good. Yeah, that might be it. Um, so Lou decided he would implement this concept called Mime Rock and put together a group of musicians who would perform in mime makeup and do mime routines between songs, never speaking a word to the audience. Lou, they sing. Of course, they're <laughs> speaking words to the audience. Concept out the window before you even start. Yeah, yeah that's... That's you know, what I think when you think about six albums, like if you're listening to them, there is nothing to distinguish the fact that they're mimes. Yeah. Like, do you exactly. think just in, like in the middle of the song, they're like, oh, just just trust us. We're we're pretending to be in a cage right now or. 
Yes. <laughs> I, I was taking notes and I was thinking, and the, the question that just kept flashing in neon lights was, why? You know, <laughs> to what end? To what end is, is and I, I'm not sure that we're going to answer that question in, yeah. in today's episode. Yeah. Um, I just don't think so. Um, I, I, you know, uh, Mr. Futterman, if you're still alive, I'm not sure if he is. Um, you know, hopefully you're listening and and uh, and you'll you'll get in touch because mm-hmm. well, I sure would like to know. Yeah. Um, so uh, their biggest, I would say, hit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm doing mime air quotes for those. <laughs> Um, uh, by, the- by, by the way, uh, Kieran, those are just called quotes in the oh. mind community. <laughs> <laughs> um, was uh, came with their second album, which was called Fusion. Mm. And um, this was uh, a song called. Um, Oh shit! What was it called? Anthem. Anthem. Yes. Yeah. All my notes are. I. You know. Uh, it's. It's early here in Los Angeles, so mm-hmm. I actually printed my notes out in super large print. Nice. Uh, so that I could really see them, and of course, I still missed it. So Anthem was their kind of claim to fame. I believe it went to number seventy-one on the Hot Hundred, mm-hmm. and uh, it got them invited to perform on. The Tonight Show, which I could not find a clip of. Yeah, um, dying to see what what Johnny thought, or if it was somebody like you know Johnny was like, "Fuck this!" David Brenner can have them have those friggin' mimes on. <laughs> um, um, but then then they were invited to be on the Smothers Brothers show, um, which there is a clip yeah. on YouTube of. Um, and my favorite thing about the clip is the almost apologetic yes. um, pre-message that the Smothers Brothers offer to their viewing audience before um, the Hello People come on to mime and sing anthem. They're, they're basically, a, the, well, the song anthem is an anti-war song. And it's basically about Sonny Tung being arrested and put in jail for being, um, I guess, a conscientious objector or maybe even a draft dodger. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, he was put in jail for a while and then uh, and then, you know, mined his way sawing through the bars <laughs> or, uh, with a file and was able to get out and made his way to the Smothers Brothers studio. Um, but the Smothers Brothers were almost kind of apologizing for the message of the song and were very careful, which surprised me because they were all about free speech and they were all about peace and they they, they objected to the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So to and they pissed off CBS quite a lot. I think that's why their show wound up. Yeah, that was a big part of yeah. why they were canceled. Yeah. Um, so to hear them go on and say, while, you know, everyone, you know, may not agree with their viewpoint, you know, it's important that, you know, all sides are presented. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of felt it was a strange thing for them to say, but maybe they were kind of forced into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then on come uh, the hello people. Yeah. I, you got both. Both of you guys watch that clip. Yes. Oh, yes. Thoughts. So 
to set the scene, you got to see it. You get to go to YouTube, look up Anthem, the hello people. I think it's the first thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. It's it. The only person playing at the beginning is the drummer. And it's sort of a revolutionary march war kind of, you know, marching uh, beat. And they are marching with their instruments as as weapons. Yes. Uh, most notably, the flute, which I think is one of the most passive instruments, is used as a rifle. and by these mimes and we should say that if i remember correctly they're kind of dressed sort of hippie-ish they're they're basically in street clothes if i remember like not street clothes but like not mime uh not like they're not in black spandex like or you know whatever like a white black and white striped shirt am i or am i wrong about that no i I think so I, i think they're they're basically uh you know, ready for their close-up in the movie version of Hair. Yes, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Joe Bri- very Joe Bryath, early yeah. Joe Bryath-esque. Yeah. But they're all wearing different shades of mime, you know, white and black makeup. So they 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 do this, what, 30-second maybe, 30-second sort of march, miming march, where they're, I think, I think the guy is shooting his flute to the beat of the drum, so the drum hits down, it's like he's taking a shot. And then they they jump into their song called Anthem about being jailed because you don't want to go to uh, right. war. I think there's something in there about going to prison to get free. Yes. Yeah. I went to prison to get free. Yeah. I went to right. jail to get free. Yeah. Um, it's ve- it's so of its time. It's so, uh, again, kind of precious and kind of uh, it's so sincere that you're like, I, I mean, I guess that type of stuff happens today, but you just, you don't really see it, at least in the mainstream. Like Jimmy Fallon's not going to be playing Anthem. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, uh, but, but it's, I mean, the music's good. It's, it's decent music, but it's very, you know, folk it's rocky. Like it's, it's a very of its time uh, protest song, but it right. actually, it landed them in hot water. Like the, the record, it went to which, sell- ru- which washed the face paint right off. <laughs> <laughs> it went to, I think what you say, like went to 71 or something, but maybe it could have gone even higher. But radio stations across the country were banning it yeah. because of its anti-war message, which is hilarious when you think about radio programmers across the South, like we got to shut these moms the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody shut that mom up. <laughs> can, can can you guys just picture and for the listeners at home just picture what the mime gesture for payola would be i think that would just be you know that oh it, this doesn't work on uh, it doesn't work on a, on a podcast I, I was, we can't nah, never mind i know i was thinking uh, ever- uh, by the way actually and i should say uh, we, uh, we we uh, we do have ws sunny tongue uh with us right now uh sunny uh, tell us your first experience with the band. Okay, great. Thank you. That's a that's an interesting take. We appreciate that, Sonny. What were you saying, Karen? Um, I think it's really interesting also that the song was written by, by Sonny, but by the time they wound up recording it, he was out of the band. Mm-hmm. He left the band after the first album. Um, strangely enough, to start a solo career, yet gave them 
or maybe, who knows, maybe there was some sort of a contract and old Lou Futterman decided to throw his weight around and said, you know, we'll take the hit. Um, and, you know, you go off and do whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, yeah, all, all sunny tongue. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I can't get over saying that name. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, how did, how did it's, it's your Lou Futterman. Yeah. I think for me, uh, Lou I, Futterman, I, I, it's, yeah. you'd think, you think that, uh, that's probably like he got it before Gene Simmons, you know, like what is mm-hmm. like, isn't Gene Simmons real name? Hiam Wits. He probably right. would have gone with Sonny Tongue, but it was taken. Yeah. Also, don't you think, <laughs> do you think that these, like these guys, cause you see kiss comes out just a couple years later. Yeah. It's like, they were so close. They were like, do you think when kiss came out, they were like, Oh fuck, that's what we should. We were so close. Yeah. They ha- I mean, and then just becoming the biggest band in, yeah. you know, in the mid seventies for them to see it's like, we, this just, could have been us. This is just, this doesn't have to do with the hello, but just kiss related. It's something that always cracks me up whenever I see them is when they sat around the, the oh, wait, let me, can I guess what it is? Yeah. The entire concept of kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's that they sat around picking out their, um, their personas and, uh-huh. and uh, Ace Freely's like, I'm going to be, oh, I don't even know which one he is. He's the star He's the child. Star. No, 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 that's Paul. Uh, Ace is. No, Ace was the star child. Yeah, Ace was Spaceman. Ace was like, Ace he was, was into space. space. Paul was the star child. Paul was star child. Gene's like, I'm going to be the most demonic. It's like a dragon. Mon- yeah, I'm going to be like a like a demon warrior. Mm-hmm. And then Peter Chris raises his hands like, I'll be a kitty cat. <laughs> you know he said like i wonder if he went like what did he did they each decide for was he sitting there like oh nobody pick kitty cat nobody pick kitty cat my guess is that he didn't knowing his history with the band he was probably crocked to the gills and didn't show up to the meeting and then when he came in <laughs> three days later and they were like fuck you peter yeah. you're gonna be <laughs> your cat <Yep>. yeah <laughs> uh, although i'm looking i'm looking at the paint right now like it's by far the easiest paint job. Like maybe that's what it is. It's oh, like, yeah. I'm not spending time getting all Gene Simmons up. It's literally just, and I'm done. All right, let's <laughs> go. Just put three whiskers yeah, totally. on each jump. Yeah. Because yeah. even Paul had to have a steady hand to make that star. I mean, yeah. have you ever, when you, when you were in like nursery school or kindergarten, you know, and you had to try and cut out a star, my stars always looked like fat, old ladies yeah you know, like with, with with saddlebags yes you know i mean i i, I could never cut straight star whatever they're called you know oh, no, no. rounded and 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 you know the <laughs> the, the 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 chubbiest uh um oh forget it <laughs> <laughs> i'm done um uh, so talking about names, I guess we should probably uh, introduce the band. I that. mean, I think we have to. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the Hello People decided um, that they were going to not only dress up in in or put on mind makeup, they were going to have personas. Mm-hmm. So they each came up with uh, a different name. Um so Sonny was known by the stage name of Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Geddes, who was also uh, a vocalist and played the bass, his stage name was Smoothie. And uh, I don't believe okay. that's the beverage. 
No, I, I, I don't think it was. No. Um, Bobby Sedita, who uh, played guitar, his stage name was Goodfellow. All one word. Yes. And not uh, Goodfella, like no. a Ray Liotta kind of situation. No, this is a no. Goodfellow. He was the kind of he was the kind of good fellow that walked amongst the the uh, forest and and you know planted seeds. Yes, and not in the 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 racy kind of way. No, no, literally, yeah. yes, yeah, harvesting. Uh, Larry Tassi or Tass T A S S E played the keyboards. His stage name was, and here's where we start to really get into the shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> his stage name was much more. <laughs> Which is crazy because that's also my safe word. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very confusing. Very confusing. I've run into some trouble. I'm thinking about switching it up. Oh, yeah, that that might be a good idea. Um, Michael Sagaris, who's my favorite member of the band. Why? Because he played the flute. Yes. Uh, His stage name was Rye One. Yeah. W-R-Y. Not the bread, but uh, for his... Maybe his sense of humor. I don't yeah, know. Not the bread, not the whiskey. Like, I don't think you're seeing <laughs> these names a lot. You're hearing them. So how many times would he have to explain? Oh, I'm rye one. Oh, like like the bread. No. Oh, like the whiskey. No. And yeah. then it's like, oh, like catcher. And the, no, like W, <laughs> yeah, like silent W. The W's are silent, but we're mine. All, so everything's all silent. All the time, um, Sonny is like nudging him going, mine it, mine it, <laughs> mine it. <laughs> And last but not least, and my favorite. This is also my favorite. I don't know. You know, sorry, Michael. Um, Ronnie Blake, who played the drums, his stage name, obviously so, Thump Thump. (laughs) Yeah. Thump Thump. Which I also, I I don't know when the Flintstones came out, but I wonder if he was just like, I need something like Bam Bam. (laughs) Just another onomatopoeia. That's what it is. And that's the only one. I suggest not to change your safe word to thump thump. (laughs) No, no, no. I. That's at least on the surface. That's the only one that makes sense to me because he's like, okay, he's a drummer, thump thump. But like, then country, like, what is he? Maybe he's the guys from the country or whatever. But like, did they call each other this? Was that kind of like their? Like, could you imagine like going backstage? at a Hello People concert, and then they're like, hey, Rye One, throw me a brewski. Like that, uh, you're like, oh, ugh. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I looked at the two albums that I got, and I looked at the uh, the liner notes, and there was, you know, no mention or explanation, but, you know, fair enough that that was like four and five, and I guess they probably figured, if you don't know now, you know, the hell with you. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to tell you. Um. There was another member. There were a few other members, but Pete Weston replaced Sonny after the first album. I don't know if he was required to have a name mm-hmm. uh, other than Pete Weston. He, he was the rebellious Who, one. Yeah. He was like. Um, <laughs> you know, not. But I know we talked a little bit about. um about uh, people who went on or bands that went on to do makeup. Um, and I talked about Captain Cool and the Kongs. The thing about Captain Cool and the Kongs was that they actually followed this particular uh, peccadillo of the Hello People. They had names. Okay. 
Um, Captain Cool was the lead singer and he was Captain Cool. Um, his backup singer, who did nothing but sort of sway back and forth in front of the microphone, was named Super Chick. Sure. Um, the guitar player um, was an actor named Mikey, uh, Mickey McMeal, and his nickname was Turkey. Then there was a comedian, I believe, uh, named Louise Duarte. Uh, who was also part of the band? Her nickname was Nashville, and kind of, kind of like country. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and then there was another singer in the band who only lasted for the first season. Uh, he was the actor and singer Bert Sommer, and his nickname was Flatbush. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why bother? The Hello People did it first. The Hello People did it best. They did it yes. best. Yes, By they the way, did. Captain Cool and the Kongs, all K's. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is, um, I don't know that that would Ooh, fly today. There's, th- there's three of those K's, isn't there? Yeah. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good. No. I don't know. That's not good at all. Um, and it was it was for Croft. It was, right, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Maybe, maybe they did one of them backwards, like in bass, but maybe they put the third one backwards. I hope. But from what I know, not too many people were watching. So I don't, uh, I don't think they influenced uh, too many minds. Um, you know, how, how they wound up doing two seasons and HR puff and stuff only went one, but we're digressing. Yes. Let's get back to the, to the, 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 the band at hand um, or at tongue. Um, so we were so we were talking about the second album, uh, which was, uh, you know, their revolver, uh, if you will, um, <laughs> and uh, which was, uh, you know, you listen to it and it's 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 called Fusion. And I think it's a really apt name because the music is all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts out with flute, with the harpsichord. It reminds me a lot of Pigeon. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, and then when you're watching them perform Anthem, you, you know, you get the gimmick and it kind of works. Um, of course you have to be watching them. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not really going to happen if you're listening to the record, but I just wish the song was better you know, Anthem. I, I just, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's just when I listen to them, it's like, that's not what I would pick out to be, you know, their wow. Um, no, not um, at all. And it could be because it's a shame because the deeper I, I got into them, I'm like, Oh, this is a good song. This is a great song. And it's like Anthem's yeah. the first thing that comes up. I think it's the, the thing that's most, because you see that Smothers Brothers clip. So you see what's happening. You see yeah. the miming ahead of time. So I think people need to see that, but it's not their best track by any stretch. But this is a very bizarre album and they then go on and it goes into freeform jazz and then pop and then Dixieland. I mean, I was having whiplash, you know, going back and forth. Some of it's like prog rock. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. were they were all over. They were all over the place and they're good and they're good musicians. If if you're listening to it and you don't know anything of the gimmick, you would think this is perfectly good of its time. Uh, yep. late 60s era music. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think, you know, I'm just guessing, uh, I also think that this may have been why they didn't take off 
is because every, again, I listened to every album except for the final one. And you cannot nail down a musical style for them. You can't describe them. You can't even do it within one album. Yeah. No. I mean, every single one of their albums, of their first five albums, has that weird, um, eclectic musical style within it, you know, and then around about, I think the third album, they start doing covers, you know, of like, and then they start doing like this shanana duop kind of style in some of the songs. Um, but then they're, they're doing covers of book of love and cry baby. And, uh, one that was just really bizarre. Oh, finger pop in time. <laughs> yeah, that's what people in 1974 want to want to hear is is you know a cover of finger popping yeah yeah I wanna, and it's just i think it's just the tone you don't know again the even genre but also like it, it there's like that silliness i don't say silliness but like that shanana factor but then they're serious as a heart attack when it comes to anthem and it's like they to, to pick a lane musically and also just who they are like if they were the monkeys you're like okay they're dressed kind of like mimes and they're funny they have fun not that the monkeys were always super funny or anything like that but it's like it's it just didn't have that you, you couldn't put that you can't put them in a in a genre so i think that that yeah, definitely hurt them it's almost like yeah. every album was their white album yeah <laughs> yeah yes um, are you two fans of 70s TV movies? I mean, they're all over the place. You sure view them. Listening to Fusion reminded me of of what the soundtrack would be for, you know, like a, a an early 70s TV movie, something that, you know, starred Desi Arnaz Jr. and was mm-hmm, about yeah. you know, a misunderstood teenager. Um, and I was I Ken and I were were sort of texting um uh, last week. And I said that it reminded me of the ice storm listening to this music. You know, it's, it, it, it just, it evokes, it evokes a time that I wasn't really even around. I mean, I was around, but I was a baby and, you know, and, and didn't, you know, wasn't able to make any kind of references to it, but you know, there are the, there's like that, that scene in the ice storm where uh, Christina Ricci and Toby Maguire are listening to the, the Jim Croce album. And it just, it looks so like what it must have been except art directed. Mm-hmm. And this music to me is just the, the, the perfect backdrop for that. So, you know, if there are people out there who love that kind of stuff, absolutely. You know, you're going to love listening to the hello people. I mean, yeah. this is, this is just that kind of music, but it's, and, you know, and I think it's sort of that like ambient, that time, like you said, there's that of that time, that mid early mid seventies feel to it. And I like, I picture like when it's especially a little more folky, uh, I can just close my eyes and they, one of my favorite, I love Nick Drake. Nick Drake's one of my favorite artists of all time. But like every once in a while, like I can hear him playing and like there's a flute or something like that. I just close my eyes and I'm just picturing watching a film strip in fourth grade. And I'm like, oh, this is this is how a cell divides. You know, like this is (laughs) I learned mytosis to this music. And I think it's another thing, too, where it was like, you know, I was born in the late 70s and it's it's 
a thing where like this music came like right before I was born and right as I was born. So there's there's definitely songs. And I think it's also that, you know, movie score kind of soundtracky music that was up its time. Plus, it's that time where we were very young or whatever, where it's almost like just in your DNA, like even like Fleetwood Mac, like obviously Fleetwood Mac's a lot more popular, but there are some Fleetwood Mac songs that I don't consider myself. I, I like Fleetwood Mac, but I don't you know listen to them regularly, uh, but that are just sort of in my DNA that are because they were just in James Taylor's another one. That's just when I was an infant up through, you know, four years old, my mom just listens to that constantly. So it's just it's like I, I don't know the song, but I know it. And a lot of a lot of this is that same yeah, era yeah, of like. I this is this is the music that I was laying in a crib right. to. I don't necessarily remember it, but it was definitely yes. there. Yeah, there was yeah. something even though you'd never heard this specific band, there was something super familiar about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and if you're pre, yeah, if you're predisposed to that sort of sound or it it does something for you, yes, even in that kind of primal way, this is going to be a real treat. Yeah. to listen to and there's and there's so much of it you know i mean there's 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 lots to immerse yourself in um and uh and really you know be taken back for a little while to a particular time and i think that's awesome you know yeah um i and, and it's funny too because like i even remember like listening to joe Bryath. like i didn't i i enjoyed his music but I didn't necessarily connect with it. It's like, oh, this is a great song. I'm like, okay, this is really good. I didn't connect with it. But when I listened to some of the tracks from Pigeon, yeah. I was like, oh, this is, I remember this, even though I never heard it. Like yeah. that is like, that yeah. sound is like, that's what I remember from being very, very young. I, um, you know, I, I have, I just, the, the other project that I'm working on, I have interns uh, this fall. And I was thinking when I was, I had a meeting with them over the weekend, uh, over Zoom, and I was thinking to myself, oh my God, they're so young. There's so much that they don't know. And I started to think about, you know, all of this music that, and, and how amazing, there are so many horrible reasons to be 18 or 19 right now. But one of the most amazing reasons to be 18 or 19 is there's so much history to discover. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm in my forties and I think to myself, gosh, you know, I is, is there anything, you know, and I don't particularly, you know, like a lot of new stuff, you know, it's just not my jam. Um, but I, you know, every time I think I've heard it all, something like the hello people comes along and it's like, shit, you know, there's so much in our history to paw through and discover and get excited about and, and, and live inside, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, um, boy, I, I just feel so lucky and happy that there's still more to discover. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, that's how I, that's especially how I feel about music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, absolutely. Because there, there are times where I'm like, oh, man, did I age out of this? And then I'll hear a yeah. brand new song, you know, from, you know, Japanese breakfast. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. this is a new thing. Yeah. Or, you know, the, you know, Phoebe Bridgers. And you're like, oh, wow. Or you go back and find the hello people you or find. Yeah. You know, I, it's like, oh, I never really listened to the soft boys before. And now I'm a huge fan, you know, and you're yeah. like, wow. You know, so it's a. There, there is a lot to you just have to look and it's so yeah, easy no, to look at it's it's easy but it's not because it's not curated for us my, my favorite thing to do when i was in my 
like teens and early twenties was like, go to tower records on Tuesday nights to, and you find out from the cool guy that works behind the counter, like, Oh, here's what you should, you know, handing me, you know, my first Wilco album or, or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, I get it. Uh, it's, there's almost, there's almost too much to find, but if you put a little bit of time in, you're going to find some really amazing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you think back when we were kids that, you know, before everything was available to you, um, at the touch of a button, you know, full albums that, you know, you saved your allowance money or you got a Christmas present or a birthday present from an aunt or, you know, uh, your birthday party. And it was for me, a lot of the times it was albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Absolutely. And because you didn't have this plethora of music in front of you, when you got an album, you put it on and you listened to both sides or you listened to the whole CD and you got to know it because your collection was limited, you know, and you sat there with the liner notes and you read them or you read the CD booklet or, you know, and you really got to know the band and you got to know the deep tracks and, and, you know, those, and, and they became special to you. I think in a way that 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 doesn't exist these days. No, no. no there and, and I have to say that, like, if uh, this is not for the people at home, they can't see it. But if you look behind me, th- these are all my CDs right here. And it's I can't I can't get rid of them. I don't even listen to them anymore because it's all on my phone. But I, I can't get rid of them because and not only did you sit down with it and learn every song and learn the lyrics, look at the liner notes. You also and I'm trying to get away from this, be, well, not too much, but there was a sense of ownership. Like I invested in a band. So it's like, okay, I paid $10 for this REM album. So there I I have, I have a corner of the REM empire. Like I, I put in the work, I worked for this money at the, at the drugstore down the street where I stock shelves. And it's like, Oh, I have seven REM albums. Like I'm a big fan. Now it's like, you can go through and it's just like, just kind of pick and play for free other than a, you know, membership or whatever. But it's like, I feel like people, and I don't want to complain about, you know, today or whatever, but it's like, I feel like there's not that same ownership no. anymore. Yeah, no. absolutely. And I think another reason why I, I I don't know a lot about today is because I, and I think it's, this is a problem for everybody is that you're, you're just confronted by so much. You don't know what to pick. You're right. It, it, it's not curated for us. I'm sorry, Ken, I didn't mean to. No, no. I, you know what you were talking about, like reading the album liner notes. Also, I, I also kind of miss when there was mystery to your favorite bands where it was Mm -hmm. like, maybe you'd have to go to Rolling Stone to read an interview with them once every few years. But now with social media, it's like, Oh, they're taking the mystery out of this. Like, like I don't need to hear, you know, young MCs daily thoughts. Like I used to think like to me, uh, we've talked about this before, but to me, Perry Farrell was the ultimate mysterious front man. Like he was like my generation's Bowie and uh, seemed like he was from Mars, but also from the gutter all at the same time. And and he didn't give a lot of interviews and you didn't know a lot about him. But now I, I I couldn't form my political uh, positions until I saw what Eddie Vedder wrote on his arm with a permanent marker. (laughs) You know, I was like, okay, all right, pro-choice. All right, okay, I, I, okay, I got that one. Like he could be tweeting that out twenty times a day now, but you know he yeah. had to do that at concert, concert, just yeah. writing Ugazi on his arm, and you're like, but now, all right. I, I remember seeing recently like Perry's 
uh, it was right before Corona. Perry's like a restaurant was rude to Perry's kids and like they had to wait a long time for a table and he took to Facebook to complain about it. Oh, no. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, God, like, I don't want to hear about Perry's kids at Bennigan's like this is. <laughs> You're Perry Farrell, not Grandpa Simpson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> J- Jane says one star. Then <laughs> <laughs> that's God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to get a hold. So I know, Kieran, I know that you you offline, you provided me with some contact information. You actually tracked a couple of the hello people down. I did, yes. And I'm I'm so I'm just so curious. It's like I really just have one burning question, which is it's like were they fully on board? Like yeah. You know like okay, we'll try this for an album or two, but 11 years later you're still going out as mimes, you're still not talking to the crowd. Was was it yeah. what, I I got to know what that was like. Um okay. No, absolutely. I found uh, Sonny Tung um, is actually a retired minister in upstate New York. Oh, so really? he actually uh, left the music business. He started his own church. Oh, um, I don't think it's anything fancy like snake handling or, or anything like that. I think <laughs> wow. he was a garden yeah. variety uh, minister. Um, but he is uh, he is now retired. I found Larry Tassie, who is still working in the music business, I believe lives in Los Angeles. And the third person I found is either Bobby Sedita or Greg Geddes. I have it um, on my, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to like reduce everything, but yes. So I, I found uh, contact information for three of them. Um, I'd also love to find out, you know, I mean, not that he would necessarily maybe even remember it because he's produced so many people, but maybe he would because he toured with them. I'd love to know what Todd Rundgren was thinking, not in a bad way. I, I mean, not, like, what were you thinking working with these people? But, you know, like, like what, you know, what was your impetus for taking them out on the road and having them continue in their mime yeah because it wasn't it wasn't like well shit i got the hello people i better make sure that they put their mind makeup on so my audiences you know know this terrific you know band that i've got working with me in the audience did not know right you know? yeah I'm, um, I'm curious about were they like oh my god we're working with todd and then it was like oh fuck he wants us to do the mime thing yeah. were they like we're not doing it unless we do the mime thing i i'm so curious to know where they yeah. stood on it. it's a, it's a, it's it's just like you, you just see like uh sunny tongue is just like oh i left my face paint in columbus sorry <laughs> i i left it in the hotel sorry i guess i can't tonight do you think after a bad show he would come backstage and paint like tears coming down i, or, I think so or a sad so. face yeah <laughs> oh and by the way we didn't even mention it and I, there wasn't much on it they opened for Pryor and Carlin. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally forgot yeah. about that. Richard Pryor and George Carlin saw something in them. and Yeah. Or at least I, their you know, management did. I, 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 maybe we're underselling how uh, I, that, that, that anthem, that protest song. I, I guess maybe, maybe I, I have no idea. I'm just theorizing here because there's mm-hmm. so little yeah. information, but. <clears throat> Maybe, you know, Pryor and Carlin were both kind of uh, 
anti-establishment, obviously, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, oh, absolutely. maybe, maybe that I could definitely see Carlin getting you totally being into them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, prior to, to, I guess, to a, to a lesser degree, but Carlin for, for sure, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, but we also didn't mention that that Todd, along with having them tour with him as his backing band, produced their uh, fourth and fifth albums. Yes. Um, the Handsome Devils and Bricks, um, which are the two that uh, there are a couple of tracks available on. Uh, those are the two that I actually went and, and got the, the vinyl copies of um and and listen to them um and uh it's just you can hear again the progression of them starting to turn into um a less catchy england band and john ford coley kind of band mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting because the review for the last album, for the sixth album or the seventh album or whatever it is, um, makes makes it sound like they had gone full tilt, um, easy listening. Mm -hmm. Not quite, you know, like um, Jack Jones, but, you know, um, Seals and Croft yeah, kind right. of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Todd... Todd has produced a lot of of really great and eclectic, you know, acts. I I um was, you know, jotted some stuff down here and I mean, he's produced Badfinger, Meatloaf, Laura Nero, Bad Religion, New York Cheap, Dolls. Uh the New York yeah. Dolls and recently, yeah. you know, like in the last 15 years, uh Sparks, um Sean Cassidy, um Hall and Oates, uh yeah, Grand did. Funk Railroad. Cheap, were you about uh, to say cheap trick? Yeah, yeah. cheap trick. Yeah. Uh XTC, um, Patty Smith, the tubes, the psychedelic furs, the Lords Jeez. of the New Church, uh Bourgeois Tag. Um, and uh, one of my favorite uh you've never heard of bands, this mid-80s uh power pop band called What Is This? Um, who had a bottom of the rungs hit cover of the um, Spinners I'll Be Around. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, which is fantastic. Um, so, you know, I mean, Todd, Todd is, you know, Todd is a great record producer. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, so trust me when I say that if, if Todd is producing your music, you have something. Yeah. You know, um, so no. I, you know, I, I don't, I, it's a shame that, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't get out there more, but I just, I honestly think that they didn't know what their sound was. No, well, they're mimes, you know, <laughs> most mimes they were, don't. They were the first mimes experimenting with sounds. So you're right. You're right. absolutely. I right. get, I um, guess the, the other big question I have, Kieran is, um, when you ordered these off eBay, did the seller drop dead of a heart attack? Like immediately <laughs> <laughs> when seeing the request come through. I actually ordered them from the same guy. Um, so uh, he had both of them. And there's I, there's actually also, uh, he sent me a very nice friendly note in it too. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't even want to complain that uh, both records had like one scratch each yeah. on them, like one mm -hmm. skip. And I was like, okay. Oh, 
Um, But uh, there also exists a, um, I think it was just a promo pressing of Todd Rundgren and the Hello People, uh, I think live at the bottom line. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't bother to get it because we were able to hear that hour long concert. Yes. Um, and they're, so, yeah. they're featured on his album. He has, he has a 1978 live album back to the bars. Yes. Which I was reading about last night. It was supposed to, uh, after Frampton comes alive, you know, sold stupid numbers. Everybody rushed out and, and tried to get like a career spanning live album to, to do the same. And, and he did this live album that, featured pretty heavily with the hello people but it just yeah. it didn't sell anything yeah yeah he's got a box set todd of i think just live sets or maybe it's part of of a, of a larger retrospective mm-hmm. i didn't i that i did not have a chance to listen to i i you know and i again i figured well i watched one of the live things so and it's todd it's not the hello people right. and you know, as much as I adore Todd and, you know, you could do a mini series. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. A series on, on, on Todd Rundgren. Um, we're here to talk about the hello people and I'm, uh, I'm here for it. Um, so they, uh, you know, they sort of meandered, uh, you know, getting to, uh, to stay on their labels. Um, they kind of went from Phillips to, uh, ABC. And I think that was more because one label kind of subsumed the other. Um, and, uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, what happened, but, um, by the time they got down to, um, bricks, which was their, their final album with Todd Rundgren, um, I think they actually had the potential to have a hit. And it was with a Todd Rundgren cover. Um, it wouldn't have made any difference. And if you listen to it, I think that track is available on um, on uh, YouTube. Um, it's fantastic. It's produced beautifully. It's got hit written all over it because it's a Todd Rundgren song that's actually been covered by a lot of other artists, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Palmer included. Um, and, and it's fantastic. And that in that particular time, which at that point I think was 1975, you know, you've got a genre that is coming forward. That is, you know, this easy listening rock, you know, that this song is tailor made for. And, but I just get the feeling that at this point, you know, they were kind of running on fumes with with the label and ABC Dunhill was probably, you know, also running on fumes. And that may have been why yeah. uh, it didn't get promoted. But, you know, it's funny that after, you know, five albums, they finally had a song that had a potential to be a hit, yeah. you know. And after listening to all five, I, I, I can say just in my humble opinion that until then, I don't think they had a hit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fit. It's fitting that it's called. It wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. (laughs) That's poetic. 
Um, so then they kind of flailed around for four years working with Todd being his backing band, and they regrouped to do a final album in 1979 called Lost at Sea. I think also a fitting title. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, but I'd like to to read a little bit um, from this uh, from this review, if you don't mind. Um, nope, I found on. this on a Tumblr blog uh, named Poo Poo Platters. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy who uh, you know who reviews like super obscure albums, and I just I wanted to give him a shout out because these are his words; they're not mine. And mm-hmm. and actually, if you're into really obscure music. It's it's a great it's poo poo platters p u p u platters dot tumblr dot com. Um, so here's the review, a little bit of the review for Lost at Sea. Titling this album "Contractual Obligation" would have been as descriptive <laughs> as its actual name. I enjoyed the heck out of the Handsome Devils and Bricks. Previous efforts that contain a curious but enjoyable stew of doo-wop, prog, and space rock, complemented by Todd Rundgren's typically boxy production. A four-year interim gave the band plenty of time to gather up some strong material, but doing the opposite by producing the stinker proved to be a career killer. The credits on the back cover list the band by first name only. So at that point, <laughs> they drop uh, the fabulous nicknames. Yeah. And who know at this? Who knows at this point who was yeah, left? Who's even in it, you know, Thumb Thumb yeah. could have you know could have been working at Caldor at this yeah. point. <laughs> we, we don't know. Um, uh, the back, so it credits them by by name, first name only. Kim played drums, for example, which means the Hello People are a casual, friendly lot, or they're rather embarrassed by this effort. Um, so, uh, as each song fades, you can almost hear the band say, "Sorry, we tried." <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it appealing to anyone, including hardcore Hello People fans and how many of them are left. I went out of my way to find it, ordering a copy from Germany, hoping to bag a winner. The only nice thing I can say about it is the band didn't mangle their cover of Walk Away Renee. Being boring is the most is the worst musical crime and Lost at Sea is guilty on all counts. Wow. So they ended with a whimper, not a bang. Although I would love to hear that cover of Walk Away Renee, I think. Oh, no, I think that would be great. Yeah, that that sounds up their alley. Yeah. But I do have to say that as as scathing as that review is, it is not um, it's not uh, emblematic of, of, of their music as no, as a, no. Not, I don't want to scare anybody away from checking them out and you know unless you go to germany it sounds like you're not going to be able to check out lost at sea so yeah. you're safe you're not yeah. going to wor- not going to have to worry about uh about having a dud with that they should have um, called that final album the goodbye people yeah yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> So I uh, I started thinking about, you know, if I was ever going to want to, uh, you know, possibly, you know, get uh, a, a new version of the Hello People uh, going oh, again. Yeah, this is uh, this is a good thing to end on. You were talking about this. Yeah. You know, and I decided that if I was going to do that, then I was going to have to come up with my own. Hello, people. Mime name, and yes. I wondered if the two of you had done that as well. We did. I gave I gave Chip some homework. Yeah. Okay. 
So Chip, tell me what, if you were, if we, if we were going to restart the hello people together, right. what would your mime band name be? Um, I, I, I'm thinking mine would be uh, the freezer. Mm, and why? Yeah. Uh, because I'm the coolest guy in the group. <laughs> Sold. Yes. So I, and? I, I was thinking because I have, uh, I have, I have no musical ability as, as much as I wish I did. And honestly, I think I'd be, I, I'm, I'm a little too self-conscious. I just don't think I would make a great mime. So I would go with, um, Marsoso Marsoso. I think I'd be mediocre. Like, I think I'd yes. be just okay at it. Yeah. Or what uh, Kieran, what, what, what are you going with? Um, I was trying to think, well, what would I do in the band? And I, because I, I play drums mildly, I suppose I would have to be the band's drummer. But then I thought, but what would my mime talent be? Because mm -hmm. that's probably more important. Sure. So I decided that my mime band name would be Double Dutch. <laughs> because my talent would be jumping rope like a little black girl from the 70s. <laughs> Without having to worry about the rope. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or the, the, yeah, the, the two people to swing it. Although right. I suppose that we, the three of us could get together and that could be our final, our final mime. We could have the, the two of you going like this and, and, you know, me doing all the jumping. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should do it. I, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. It's like yeah. the uh, it's like the new monkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hello the, again, the people. Family, yeah. The Partridge Family re the um redo on VH1. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I wish I didn't. I'm in, or and and someday there will be a podcast about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obscure. You're never gonna believe this shit existed. <laughs> oh my gosh! So please, 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 uh, listeners, go out and seek this out. You will not be sorry, and and watch as well. Yeah, as you yours. gotta, you gotta yes. watch. Kieran, where yeah. where can everybody find you? What are you working on? What do you want people to know about? Uh, I just want people to know that uh, I'm here and ready for the next time you guys want me. Uh, I yeah. so enjoyed doing this, and thank you for uh, for loving uh, the idea of the Hello People. Oh, no, uh, the second the second you sent it to me, I was it was like ding ding ding. I I forwarded to Chip immediately. Yep. And I, I swear I wasn't doing it to like bogart my way into the no, show. No, this you're, is listen, great. You're you're a friend of the show. You can bogart your way in anytime. Anytime you, want. you keep anytime. This is like perfect. This. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. Uh, it's great talking to you again. Great seeing you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me on. I appreciate it, and I, I can't wait to uh, to see what else you guys uh, have in store. I love listening to the show. Oh, love. thank you oh, so thank much. You. And and th thanks again for doing it. And by the way, yeah, everybody, if they haven't, we're 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 beating a dead fake horse here. Uh, that's what it would, the miming would be. Uh, but you ha if you haven't seen it, listen to our episode, our, our last episode with oh, Kieran yeah. talking about Joe Bryth. Go back to the episode before that where just Ken and I first talked about Joe Bryth before we met Kieran. And then make sure you check out Joe Bryth AD on Amazon Prime. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But thank, thanks again, Kieran. Uh, uh, for, uh, for that. I had a great so time. Much fun. Great so time. much fun. We'll do it again soon. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. And make sure you follow us on uh, social media at Rock and Roll Pod uh, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on uh, Spotify, on Apple Music, wherever you uh, find your fine podcasts. Yep. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>